MLS season is upon us this weekend, and the first games are going to be starting up. And to get you excited and ready for the season, we have tried to break down the top 10 American MLS players <laughs> to watch this season. And we failed that catastrophically. We failed it miserably. We built a 20-player list that is players that you need to watch that are American going into this MLS season. They range from anyone that's 16 years old that is expected to get senior minutes this season to players that are right on the cusp of the U.S. men's national team and everywhere in between. So I'm joined by Tom and Manny for this episode. Tom, we're going to depend on you a lot for your MLS knowledge, but uh, a lot of these players are, are people that, you know, Hopefully this is an educational episode for a lot of the fans out there on who to watch and who to expect some good performances this season. Before we get started, need to check in on you guys. How are you doing? Tom, I know you've been working on your thesis a lot. What's going on with you? Not much. Uh, it's just been a very crazy busy time. I start my next observing run in eight days, simultaneously have my first draft of my thesis due, and I've got graduate school acceptances that I'm sort of weighing right now. So I've got Lots of exciting professional stuff coming down the pipeline. It means I've not been spending a lot of time with soccer lately. I'm glad to get back to it for a little bit. A nice break from the craziness of the astrophysics lifestyle. <laughs> nice. And how dare I forget a happy President's Day to everybody. Manny, you got the day off. How's it going over there in Chicago? Uh, you know, it's, it's starting to warm up. Uh, hopefully there's no more snow on, on the horizon. But, uh, you know, I've I can't complain, man. Honestly, it's another day to talk soccer, another day to, to talk about the team that we love. I, I can't complain. So, you know. That's beautiful. So beautiful. Good attitude to have. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just jump right in. We have 20 names to talk about. And the first name that we're going to share is a 16-year-old for the Houston Dynamo. And that is Brooklyn Reigns. Let me start sharing a screen here. All right. Who's who wants to take Brooklyn Reigns? I think Manny, you had put him on the list. Yeah. What do you say? Manny, you're, you're our youth expert here. I'm going to leave the 16 year olds mainly to you. <laughs> I, I like the kid. Like, I, honestly, I know there's, there's some scouts. I'm not going to put them out there that, that don't like them as like him as a six. And and I kind of agree. I don't think he's a six. I think he's actually a box to box. Um, but the, he has good instincts. I like the kid. And um, he's going to be with a good coach. Tab, I, I don't know how you guys feel about Tab, but I, I like Tab Ramos. And, you know, um, I just think that it, it's a good fit for him to, to go there and see if he gets some minutes. Uh, I know um, coming from the Barca Academy last season, he signed uh, a small deal to play in El Paso. Um, which was which was one of the be better, you know, the best. It was the best team in USL um, until they got knocked out of the playoffs. But they had the most points in the USL championship last year. So, um, you know, he, he got a few spot appearances there. But, um, you know, just taking a step up, you know, I just hope that we can see some flashes of like, okay, this is a player. Because when I've seen him play, he was one of the most um, – the soccer IQ and the calmness on the ball was just was apparent for for a player his age. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, for Todd Ramos, that question, I however you feel about his tactical prowess or him as a senior coach, I love him as a developer of talent. So when we're talking about this specific instance of 
a really young player for the U.S., maybe the U.S. men's national team in the future, then Tab Ramos is a great coach to have early on in your career to develop. All right. How how many minutes is he going to get this season? If he can, honestly, I feel like if he can get at least 300 to 400 minutes this season, minimal. So is that be the second minutes? or third sub off the bench. Maybe. League minutes, yeah, league minutes. Yeah, is that, like, okay, because he's going to say, he should be playing in the Open Cup. And the Open Cup is a full Open Cup this year, so we should expect these prospects to at least get time in the first couple rounds of the Open Cup. Hmm. Fair, fair play. All right, on to Manny. I'm going to come to you again because we have a Chicago man, 18-year-old Brian Gutierrez, plays left wing, got 17 matches in MLS last season. Why is he on the list for you? So I, I, I will tell you why he's on the list for me. So this doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I live in Chicago. Well, partly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I seen him, so the first time I've actually like saw of him was the, uh, the revelations cup with the, the U20s in, in, in Mexico. And you know, when the roster was, you know, was announced, you know, I don't think too many people were even thinking about him or even know who he was. And he was actually one of the standout performers in that, you know, in that tournament. So I'm just, I, I know that the, the, that Chicago, the Chicago Fire have um, bolstered their attack this season, but um, I, I'm just looking forward to see if he can kind of learn from the guys that's coming in and training and see if he can get on the field and develop. Cause like, like I said, what I've seen from him in the revelations cup, I liked the very, like, I liked a lot. He was aggressive. He was, um, you know, he, he was live. He was energetic whenever he came into the, to the match. So, and you know, he, he, he's shown very decent technical skills. So, I'm always a person about technical skills. Like if you got good technical skills, I think you can make it. So he yeah. flashed those and I think there might be I know something. this is about American talent in MLS, but I'm curious to hear from someone that possibly follows the Chicago Fire a bit more closely with the additions of Zerdan Shakiri, uh, the Mexican Torres. Like how are you feeling as a fan going into the season? I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to sound horrible. I, I didn't want to support them. I did not, but I think I might. Dis- I think I might have to go to some matches this year. <laughs> I, I, I think what I changed? Have- uh they weren't good last year, but now they have some good prospects from their academy that's now starting to come up, and then it looks like that they're actually investing to try to actually win. So, yeah. Fire have been a dumpster fire for several years now. So seeing them sort of try and climb their way out is really good to see. And it's a good thing for the league, especially given the size of that market and how much better that team should be. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it as someone that has followed the Metro stars for my entire life, the, the, I can never be happy when the Chicago fire, when Columbus crew and DC United are bad because those are, the original rivals that I think about when, when I really grew to love MLS. All right. Next up is a player that I think almost everyone 
is going to have on their list of whether it's top 20, top 10, maybe even top five or top three uh, young American talents in the MLS this season. Jack McGlynn, 18-year-old for Philadelphia Union, played mostly as an eight, sometimes backing up Leon Flack as a six, but mostly playing a two-way box-to-box midfielder. Guys, what's special about this kid? Why is he on everyone's list? That left foot. (laughs) (laughs) I just love this kid's attitude. That's sort of my main reason. He just has sort of that swagger about the way he plays that sort of makes you think that he's going places. Uh, I think the sort of enduring memories for me is the MLS playoff match against Nashville last year where he hits the game-winning penalty and then sort of gives an ice in his veins sign in the penalty shootout to sort of send Nashville home. And that sort of confidence from someone as young as him is fantastic. He loved to see it. And Philly's midfield, when we talk about developing areas to watch for MLS talents, keep an eye on Philly's midfield because they have so many good prospects. And McGlynn sort of leads the way as sort of one of the standout members of the Union Academy right now, especially in that midfield. They could start a three midfield of... Jack McGlynn, Paxton Aronson, and Quinn Sullivan and be set for the rest of the season and have every yeah. single one of them be 18 or, or younger. Um, yeah. But we do know Jim Curtin likes to play the diamond midfield in a 4-4-2. So we'll see how they come out. But man, three midfielders alone, 18 and younger. Philly is stacked with talent. And that's not even touching their prospects in center defense and their fullbacks as well. They have some 17-year-olds coming out of their academy. 20-year-olds that have developed you, at Philly, too, for Quinn, a few seasons. You mentioned Quinn Sullivan. Did you put him on this list? Quinn Sullivan's not, not on this gonna list. going to be one that we're going to talk about. Yeah. You want to get your say in now while we have an honorable mention? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, just basically, I'm just reiterating what you guys said. I mean, they have a talented duo of, of players that... Uh, yeah. I've got four really talented players in that midfield when you include Flock. And even their older players are just fantastic. There's just so much talent. Philly is going to be a contender in MLS for years to come, and it's on the back of their academy. Yeah. The fact that they could trade Montero confidently because they knew players could come in and be easily just as good as him and be younger and developing talent, that, that, that says a lot and has a lot of confidence behind it. All right, you mentioned, Tom, that Jack McGlynn knocked Nashville out of the playoffs last season. And we're going to go to a player that is going to be on a lot of people's radars because of um, where he stands in the U.S. men's national team, and that's Walker Zimmerman. Why is he on this list for you? Because he's an MLS Best 11 candidate. He's an MLS Defender of the Year candidate. He is a candidate for MLS Playoff MVP Nashville SC has got a squad they've sort of built from the back out and the way that Gary Smith ball plays Walker Zimmerman is the key to all of Nashville SC's success. They've been great two years in a row and you never know how far they can go. I'm excited about what Nashville SC has got going on there. Uh, even though I am very well on the record of saying, I don't like Gary Smith as a manager. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens this year in MLS for Nashville, but their success lives and dies on the back of this man, Walker Zimmerman. And it seems like the national team almost does as well. His center defensive play has been in, crucial in our last three matches. I just am excited to see what he can do. Yeah. As we talk through these players, I want everyone to remember where we were last year with the national team, where you thought Walker Zimmerman stood in your center back depth chart, where you thought Ricardo Pepe and 
in February of 2021 stood in your striker depth chart, probably didn't have a lot of people saying they would be starting and winning us games in World Cup qualifying. So just remember that as we go through this list of how far players can move in these depth charts throughout the season. And this is a World Cup year now. So this is when it counts. This is when you can get into a team, sneak into the 23 and be part of this U.S. team, hopefully going to the World Cup. (laughs) Remember the summer when Alexi Lalas published a list of his top six center backs at the Gold Cup and Walker Zimmerman came in at number two and everyone lost their minds? (laughs) And... He was kind of right. Yeah, he ended up being right because Zimmerman has had a fantastic end of his MLS season and, yeah, a great run with the national team of late. I'm excited to see what this next year holds for him. Yeah, I think we're all going to look back on that and be a little bit sad at how how upset we got with Alexi there. <laughs> One of the, the many times that he's been proven right with time, as much as I hate to say it. All right, staying in the – is Nashville in the Western Conference? They're in the West this year, yeah. Until St. Louis, <laughs> until St. Louis comes in next year, then they will piggyback to the East. They have been okay. in the West, the East, the West, and the East over the first four seasons. And now they're going to go back to the West and then be back in the East next yeah. season. Yeah. Amazing. Good job. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay, then going back to the East from the Western Conference, we're going to New York for Keaton Parks, a player that was with Benfica's academy team for a long time and has been a name that has been you know, on the, the minds of many USMNT fans for a long time. But now at 24, had a really solid season for New York City FC last year, but got injured going into the playoffs and wasn't able to be a part of the team that won MLS Cup. I think for me, Keaton Parks is one of the players that if he has the year that he's capable of and continues to develop and hit that stride, he could be a sneaky pick to be Tyler Adams' backup. I know we have other players that can play that position, but Keaton Barks for me is someone that fits the mold. It's very similar to Johnny in my mind, like a very physical Mm -hmm. uh, center defensive mid that can progress the ball, but doesn't necessarily have the technical ability that you would see with Adams and Weston McKinney. Guys, what do you see from Keaton Parks that makes you excited this year? I, he just, he's a rock. He's so steady in that New York City midfield. New York City strength has been their midfield for the last couple seasons. And they're going to be looking to fill a James Sands size hole in their midfield that I think Keaton Parks sort of slides right into and is going to be an excellent player for them. They have a lot of really strong midfield talent. Gideon Zalalem's a name that we've talked about a lot. Uh, Alfredo Morales has been a occasional U.S. men's national team player that sort of plays features in that midfield. But Sands was the leader last year, and there's going to be a hole that Parks could fill. He could be the leader of that defense, and a team that won MLS Cup last year, bringing back a talent like Parks could mean big things for him again this year. If he plays well, I think he could be on the the list for a U.S. men's national team call-up. We know that we're looking for midfielders in MLS. We know that we're thin in midfield, really, as far as depth goes. So I'm really interested to see what we get out of Parks this year. Yeah. Manny, do you agree? Do you feel like he, maybe for Nations League, if we're looking for a player of that caliber? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Did you, did, would you have put him on your list? No. <laughs> what What are you seeing that, that Tom and I aren't? I just, uh, here's the thing, and people are going to probably not like what I'm going to say. 
this may be, you know, biased or whatever I'm going to say, but he he just did not, in my opinion, when I seen him at Benfica B, he just didn't impress to me. And I think it was apparent when they sent him back to the to, to America and um, sent him alone to MLS. Because to, to be completely honest with you, these Portuguese leagues they're not, they're 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 a decent level at the top, but like the rest of the level is just I mean it's it's not too much it's not too much better than the rest of these you know mid tier leagues. So like if you can't if you can't impress them, then I I don't I don't know what to tell you. But I he didn't he really didn't impress me when I when I seen him there. So like I don't know. I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched him since he's been at NY, NYCFC. But just based off of what, when I had seen him at Benefica B, he just didn't impress me. So, that, I think that, if you watched him today, he'd be a very different player than... than I, yeah, I would think so. Like. Because, you know, when he went over to, to Portugal, he was like 1920. So, yeah. I, I, I would hope that he's he's gotten better since since then, but... Yeah. It's, it's literally... Situ- it's very hard. These players sort of come back, have to stand out in MLS. I, I agree that it's sort of disappointing that he didn't stand out for Benfica, but if you can come back and stand out in MLS, there's still a chance either for you to go back on some deal, or there's a chance for you to have a strong career as sort of a squad rotation national team player, at least for the next few years, until some of these sort of lottery tickets that are in Europe hit. So I don't I don't know I I don't see the the flaming out at Benfica as a huge knock against him. Yeah. Okay. All right, another blast from the past. Uh, Tom, I'm going to give this one to you. It's Emerson Heinemann, a name that many fans have known for many many years. 25 years old for Atlanta United was injured for a lot of last year. Why is he on the list? I am- I'm excited about Emerson Heinemann, and I think I'm maybe one of the only people who is. It says something to me that Atlanta saw Heinemann, signed him, and said, yes, we can get rid of Darlington Nagby now. That is a huge level of praise from Atlanta to say that this is Nagby's heir apparent because Nagby has a skill set that I think we still have never really replaced in the U.S. men's national team until essentially Eunice Musa. His ball progression is so good. He's so technical in his ability to sort of make a turn and make a pass in the midfield. I really just like him as a holding midfielder in the vein of Yunus Musa, Luca De La Torre. Obviously, I don't think he's as good as either of those players, but the role he plays is so unique. And the season that he's poised to have for Atlanta sort of has me very high on what he could achieve. People forget that before he went down with injury, he was one of Atlanta's only players who was playing well in some seasons where they looked terrible. So I, I think that there's room for him to sort of break out and show what he can do. He was a very strong player when he was playing in the championship. He never really broke through into the Premier League, but if his level is sort of high-tier MLS, mid-tier championship, that's a strong level for a, for a midfielder and a player that I'm really excited to see what happens with him. I know just one player can't control the outcome of the game, but... For me, I want to see him move from a good player on a bad team to being a standout player on a good team. And that, to me, will tell me that you know he's maybe ready for a national team call-up like the Nations League. As we do have Nations League this summer, 
which should hopefully be an opportunity for a lot of these fringe players to get minutes because our starting 11, the players that we might take to the World Cup are going to be tired. They would have played for basically two years without any um, any rest. So I do think the Nations League is going to feature a lot of players that are going to be on the fringes, going to be looking to make their, a name for themselves before the World Cup. All right, I'm going to take this next one because it is Mr. Caden Clark, someone that has been featured on the channel plenty of times, and me as a New York Red Bull fan. Uh, this academy just keeps pumping out talent. Caden Clark is a really interesting one because he moved from Minnesota to New York Red Bulls because of the way that he could move through the pipeline. He was sold to Leipzig, but because of COVID and the, the level that he was at at the time, he wasn't going to be able to really break into the team in the Bundesliga. So it's decided to move back to New York Red Bulls for this season. I, I think, I hope that he's rededicated himself to this team. Uh, Jared Struber doesn't necessarily play the most beautiful soccer that you'll ever watch. And to me, it doesn't really fit Caden Clark's best abilities. But at the same time, very similar story to Emerson Heinemann. If he can start to stick out on a good team and be the standout performer, start to produce a little bit more, some more goals and assists. Then again, I think he's a name that's not super far off from maybe being a fringe player for the U.S. men's national team. And at 18, he has plenty of time to continue to develop, but someone that was once touted as kind of the next big thing and kind of taken that step back last season. I'm, I'm excited to see him again, just kind of reinvigorate that, that development in his career and make himself good enough to go back to Leipzig, maybe at the start of next Bundesliga season. Anyone else have thoughts on Caden Clark? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, he's a very exciting prospect and I'm just excited to see what he can do. I think that there is a spot eventually for him in the national team. There's a spot for him on a European roster someday. And yeah, this could be his breakout season. Yeah. Manny, before we started recording, we were talking about attacking eights or floating attacking midfielders for the national team and how we don't really use them. Where do you see players like Caden Clark? Maybe not him specifically, but players like him fitting into the national team under Greg? It's going to be tough because, like, I kind of put him in where the same mode as, like, Geo. So Geo probably like the biggest like attacking talent that we have in, 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 in the pool, but it's like, he probably does. He'll probably be best as a attacking mid or a second striker, but we don't play it. We don't, we don't play with either of those positions, especially with the, the four, three, three. So we have a ton of attacking talent in that type of mode, but it's like, where do we put them? Because we, because like if you if you if you want to talk about it, like we well, we could talk about Brendan Harrison who's probably in that similar mode, but because of the fact that we don't play with one, he has to be put on the, on the wings. So yeah. yeah, yeah. It was said that in the Revelations Cup he was training as an eight and an inverted winger, and again with the national team when he was with the camp, same thing. So it's it's either going to be he's an eight that's maybe more aggressive and takes risks going forward, or he's going to play on the wing and, and be more of an inverted winger, which again, we see with Gio Reyna, we see with Brendan Aronson, it doesn't necessarily translate their club form to the national team. The problem, the problem with that, 
Jake, is that you're you're ask you're putting on more responsibilities to a player that they're maybe not used to doing. So like I think natural midfielders that have been playing as midfielders and been playing box to box naturally you know, know when to, to kind of push forward, when to kind of not push forward, because you essentially you're you're doing the most running of everyone on the team. Mm-hmm. You got to keep that in mind. They're doing all the most running of anybody else on the team. And so you you have to pace yourself. You have to, you probably, you need to have the most stamina. You have to pace yourself. And if you've mm-hmm. never played as a box-to-box mid before. That's you, dangerous. That's dangerous because you can start giving up gaps in the midfield when you're not running back and you're not, you know, you're not positioned in a way where, you can, you know, you can stop a ball. You can, you're not giving up that space. So, I think it also beyond just the danger in the midfield. As dangerous a winger is not knowing your spacings right. Can you effectively create space? Can you know when to push wide, when to tuck in, when to let the fullback overlap? How to space with the overlapping fullback? There's just a lot of very technical aspects exactly. of playing the wing, or you know, knowing how to be goal dangerous, having that lethal mentality. That, are so important for a winger. And if you're playing more as a 10, you're playing more as a creator, you might not be used to sort of, you know, being able to take a guy on, take two guys on, get a shot off when that's maybe not your game. Tom hit it. Tom hit, hit it, hit the nail on the head, especially, and especially when you're a winger, because as you see, even putting Gio as a winger, especially in, in, in Greg's system, Greg wants the wingers to, to, you know, they want verticality down the flank. That's not Gio's game. Gio's going to try to tuck in and, you know, try to get the ball in the half space. So that that's an issue. Um, I know that this was not what we were asking and what, what you did, but <laughs> That's okay. Go with it. But, but I think it answered your question where the, the difficulties might come with players such as Gaten Clark, who yeah. are in a similar and- mode as Gio and Brendan and, and all of these other guys, so. I think that we're going to run into this again on this list. Georgie Mihailovic is another name that we're going to talk about that specifically this is a big question with him and maybe why we haven't seen him with the national team yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get there, let's stay in the New York Red Bull team and talk about a name that I think I've seen you know show up on a good amount of lists recently, and I'm happy to see it because John Tolkien – a left back for the New York Red Bulls is someone that I watched a lot last season. And he is so solid in every foundational skill that you want from a fullback. He's not going to wow you. His hair might wow you or his, his looks might wow you, but the way that he plays isn't going to wow you, but he's going to be so solid. He's going to be stout in the defense. He gets forward. Well, he's aggressive, but fair. I really think that if you, if you watch him over the season, you will be really impressed with just how consistent he is as a 19-year-old. Um, I know that I love this kid. I'm excited to watch him. Do you guys, like, is she showing up kind of on your list? Are you guys thinking about John Tolkien and making sure to tune into the New York Red Bulls when they're on TV? I don't know if I'm tuning into the Red Bulls. There's some good prospects between Clark, Tolkien, Amaya. They've got some talent that really could show up and be huge names going forward. I My problem is just that there's so many other teams with so much talent that 
I, I don't know if I have the choice between Red Bulls or Philly or Dallas. I think Philly or Dallas still for me are the two teams to watch. Yeah, that's fair. It's very fair, but maybe maybe number three. Yeah, maybe Red New Bulls. Red I think Bulls Philly. <laughs> traditionally a number three for me would be Red Bulls. I, there's some other names that are coming through with great academies, and it'll be exciting to watch happen. Watch them develop. I'm really excited about Tolkien as well. We need more left back prospects. I think that we have a lot of lottery tickets at left back, um, but we don't really have any sort of sure hits. I think Sam Vines is a solid role player. George Bello could end up being a big name, but could end up flaming out. You never never know how Gomez is going to turn out. So having another player like Tolkien, who's just a solid role player at left back, is such a valuable thing for the national team picture. It's going to be exciting to see how he develops. This is going to sound weird, but John Tolkien reminds me of... Um, oh my God. What's his name? Connor Laid for the New York Red Bulls. He was a just a crazy aggressive defender. And when Thierry Henry was on the New York Red Bulls, he had mentioned that Connor Laid was the best American player that he had played with. <laughs> and he didn't get very far in the national team. He did have a few appearances. What, by the what way. was this again? Probably like 2011, 2012. Okay. Yeah, that's so <laughs> he, he never really made it with the national team, but he had a year or two there with the New York Red Bulls where he was a standout player. And John Tolkien, the way that he's aggressive in his defense and just like a, a rabid like pit bull or, you know, what? it's more like a Yorkshire terrier or like a small <laughs> dog where he's just like yapping at people. It's like that. John Tolkien plays defense like that. Doesn't he have like that, like that wild blonde hair? He's had a few different hairstyles. He had okay. like flowing mohawk with uh, a headband. He had white. I, I don't hair. watch Red Bull, so like I, yeah. I've, I think I've seen him in passing it in, in some like maybe like games or or, or videos or something. So, he, like, he's I'm, got I'm, some Zardes hair where like if you watch a game, you know who he is on the field. Right. Gotcha. Heck yeah! All right, we're gonna do the first Paxton, which is Paxton Pomacall on this list. And a team that we just talked about as a team that develops talent constantly, FC Dallas. Maybe, Tom, is Paxton your guy? I am uh, very high on Paxton Pomacald. I think the two, 2019 U20 World Cup sort of showed what he can do. He was fantastic. He was one of the best players, sort of the engine that drove that team forward in the midfield. And then he got injured. And sort of as he was breaking through, becoming a big name at FC Dallas, he had to sort of take a year off. And... He's just sort of started coming back last season. Unfortunately, though, the way that Dallas set up, he was sort of shuffled to the wing so that Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe could do their thing on the inside. Now this season with Pepe in Germany, we sort of see him get a chance to come back to the inside, play that 10 role, play underneath Jesus Ferreira, who's set to be the number nine and another name we'll talk about on this list. I'm just high on this guy. I think that he's another one of those where we sort of struggle to fit him into a national team specific position. But he's got so much talent. He can play all over the field. If he breaks out, he's going to be a big name. I expect him in Europe at some point. I just have to ask Manny because, again, Paxton Pomacall <laughs> is a name that has just been, like it seems like it's been a decade since we've talked and tracked, talked about and tracked this player. Manny, do you feel like he's he's close to the national team? Or like where does his name lie in, or what does he have to do to start getting more name recognition and kind of building back from where he was as a younger player? Consistency. 
consistency. That, that's what I will say. I mean, he's, uh, as we're looking at Fat Mob right here, he's 22. So he's going to have to build on more consistent performances before I say, hey, there might be something here for the national team. Um, but as of right now, uh, I, I personally wouldn't, I personally wouldn't consider him. But again, if he continues to build on, on consistent performances and, and he shows what he can do at a consistent level in the MLS, I think there is possibly a call up for him in the future for him. I think before we see him get a call up, we'll see him go to Europe. I think that Dallas loves to sell their players to Europe. They have a very good sort of track record of that. There was a lot of interest, a lot of interest before his injury. And I think that a good season could see him be part of the next wave of the exodus of young players from MLS. I think that happens before we see him get a call up and see how he can perform maybe in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, someplace like that. I think his level is sort of lower end of the high leagues in Europe right now. I see Manny's eyes bulging. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just curious as to like, where, where, I mean, I think you answered it, but like, do you like, do you do you really think that he he'd garner like attention from like the biggest leagues? I mean, if I, he went to somewhere like Belgium, would it be that weird? No, yeah, no. no I I think if he's gonna, go, it'd be either a relegation candidate in the Bundesliga, or it would be sort of Belgium, Netherlands, mid-table teams that I think would be interested in him. Just sort of teams that have a history of going through U.S. players. And I think it really comes down to what ends up happening this season. I think that last season is not a great judge given he was still coming back from a pretty massive injury. I think he had some sort of back issue that really kept him out. I forget what exactly the injury was. And he was shuffled to the wing where I don't think that's his best position. I think he's best in the middle playing a sort of a 10 where he can cook. And this season with Ferreira and him sort of playing as striker one, striker two is a, a recipe for him to really have a breakout season. Yeah. So someone that we all thought was going to be sold maybe last year, but actually signed a contract extension with the San Jose Earthquakes is Cade Cowell. I think, again, he's a player that is on a lot of people's lists. Someone that is just crazy physical for an 18-year-old, has the soccer skills to match it. What can we expect from this player? He had 10 goals and assist contributions last year. What can we expect this year? Is he going to improve on that? The key for me with Cowell is consistency. He had a really good run at the beginning of the year. He was one of the best players in MLS for the first couple matches and then sort of fell off a cliff, lost his starting spot, became sort of a sub, super sub up here, uh, player for San Jose. I think what we got to see is him continue to develop the consistency to continue to produce goals, assists. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they play him this year with the retirement of Chris Wondolowski. Having to train under Chris Wondolowski is fantastic situation for Cowell. I think you could see him start to develop as a striker instead of a winger. Additionally, I think that we got to see him develop a little bit more technicality because he's so physical, but that's sort of the area that's game. that's a little bit lacking right now. You can't always blow by people. You need to be able to sort of play with the ball at your feet. And if he improves that and sort of develops a little bit more consistent goal, dangerous play sky's the limit for him. Yeah. 
like we said before, he has great straight line speed, but after that, it gets a little dicey. Yeah. All right, we're going back to a uh, very young player, 16-year-old Reed Baker-Whiting for the Seattle Sounders. Is very versatile in the midfield, but made his uh, professional debut last season, signed his professional contract. He's a player that we we think is going to be a crazy potential player, but we've seen a bigger fall off before from young players that are 16, 17, 18 years old. So what are you guys expecting from Reed Baker Whiting this season? What is a successful season for him? I'm going to let Manny take this one. <laughs> how many minutes, how many minutes are we, are we thinking? I'd say if he gets 600, 700 minutes, Ooh, that seems I think high. he'll get more. Yeah, I'm gonna say that probably seems high because for some uh, for a 16 year old in the MLS, a 16 year old in the MLS on a championship contender team, right? Right. They, this we'll this see. we got Seattle also though has done some crazy thing. Remember that game they played last season where they started like eight 15 year olds. <laughs> Yes, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> like Seattle does do occasionally a crazy thing where they just throw their entire academy into an MLS game. So you could see him get some minutes there. But this team is Jao Paulo's in that midfield, Christian Roldan's in that midfield. They've got talent all over the field, and it's just it's always a fight for minutes. We've seen players like Danny Leva or Obed Vargas who are still fighting for those same minutes as well. They're also huge named teenager prospects. I, I don't know. I see 300, 400 minutes as a more realistic expectation for him. And and that's with them having Champions League and, and, and uh, Open Cup, right? Yes. Okay. I feel like he's going to be starting some Open Cup games. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most definitely. There, there's 90 minutes right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to stay with the Seattle Sounders and get to a player that's much closer to the U.S. national team, and that is Jordan Morris coming back from another knee injury, but has made his way back and been a part of the U.S. men's national team camp over the last World Cup qualifying cycle. Okay, hopefully a healthy Jordan Morris is a successful Jordan Morris, is a Jordan Morris that can give value to the national team. What are you guys expecting from him this season? Does he still have the physical tools? We know that Jordan Morris is not a technical player. Is he still a physical beast? Can he still do the Cade Cowell straight line speed thing? Can he still just score goals using his impressive physicality? That's sort of the benchmark for a successful Jordan Morris right now. And we've seen it in spurts for the national team, but we've still got to see it for his club consistently. Is he a better... Okay, him and Paul Ariel are going for the same spot on the national team. They're both in form... Who are you guys calling in? Jordan Morris. I got Morris. Morris is just a better track record for the national team for me. And sort of he provides some physical tools that I don't think is very common in our wingers. It's just sort of a big change of pace guy. I I, I would love to see him on the national team come Cotter if we need a player like that. Okay, so staying with the Morrises, but not Jordan Morris's brother is Aiden Morris, another player that is uh, coming back from injury. I'm trying to spell his name. <laughs> How do you spell Aiden Morris? Yeah. That, that's, that's, it. Right? that's it. 
<laughs> All right. We're going to talk about Aiden Morris without seeing him on foot, foot mob then. He is a player for Columbus Crew, had an injury last season, but is a player that a lot of people are excited about. Um, guys, why don't you take this one while I go search for him in the MLS League on foot mob? I think, Manny, you're higher on him than I am, so I'll let you go ahead and run with this one. I'm not that much higher, but... <laughs> I just think that it's a young kid that's you know that's got MLS minutes, you know, has experience on a on a on a cup winning team, on a good team, and so I just feel like the sky's the limit for him. I mean, he just needs to come back from the HCL injury and just improve on the things that you know he's been doing. But I think you know if he if he does come back and and, and shows you know and shows that the injury hasn't slowed him down he could be in, he could be in potential um areas to maybe be Tyler Adams backup who knows but you know you can't sell yourself short man you were you were saying he is Tyler Adams backup if he can perform in MLS this season well, i think yeah. a lot of people are going to agree with you well, you know what he said about absolutes right <laughs> Only the, Sith, the, so. the, the good news about this list is that there's enough people there that even if we call 15 of them absolutes and they not they never work out again there's five others that can step into their place and and make an impact well, i don't know about for the legitimacy of this uh podcast but i, I <laughs> we don't <laughs> i will hope that we would have a lot more uh, credible uh wording than that so no, nobody's allowed to slander this podcast. Wild speculation gets clicks. <laughs> exactly. Give us engagement. <laughs> okay, so there's not much else to be excited about on Columbus. The They have Giassi Zardes. They have uh, not a great team, to be honest, it doesn't look like. And Caleb Porter, though, one of the best American coaches I'm hoping that Aiden Morris can learn under his tutelage. But as a team, if I'm a Columbus Crew fan, I'm not expecting very much from this season in MLS. <laughs> Don't All count right. out any team with Darlington Nagby on it, though. It's true. That's very true. Darlington right, Nagby's one of the best players in MLS still. I will die on that hill. <laughs> Darlington Nagby is one of the one of my favorite players to watch of, of all time and still is, but the fact that he wasn't able to get it going for the U.S. Men's National Team still makes me a little bit sad. Yeah, someone that same. is able to get it going for you know, the U.S. Well, Men's National Team, Helen Acosta. To be fair, he didn't. You know, after a certain point, he just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, I respect him for it. I'm just sad for myself <laughs> as a fan. Like anyone yeah. that's basically like, you know what? I don't have it in me to play for this national team anymore. I'm not going to give my all. I'd rather be with my family. Like, you got to respect that. I just find no. We're not. That's, this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Kellen Acosta in a shock trade from Colorado Rapids to Los Angeles FC, a player that really impressed a lot of people. You know, he's been hot and cold for the national team, but I think we can all agree that if you're picking a backup to Tyler Adams right now today, it's Kellen Acosta, and he deserves some credit from us as fans of the national team going to, you know, Colorado was not a bad team last year. I think they were at the top of the Western conference going into the playoffs. 
LAFC is a team that maybe has more ambition, but we'll see how they go about this MLS season. Kellen Acosta is going to be there, 26 years old, center midfielder. Personally, I hope he does well enough to be sold to Europe because at 26, this is kind of your last chance to go abroad from MLS. Guys, what are you thinking for Kellen Acosta this year? What are you expecting from LAFC? LAFC is a team that is known for scoring goals at about the same rate to give up goals. So if Kellen Acosta can improve their defense, stabilize that midfield, maybe just prevent one goal a game, LAFC is going to be a really good team. So I, I, I'm thinking that he's got a chance for a really good season. And yeah, he's only on a one-year contract. If he's going to go, this is the year for him to really break out and go. And I'm really hoping he does. Yeah. Just looking at that 8.7 rating against Honduras is sexy, but I think I probably could have gotten a, a 7.5 if I was on the field Agreed. for the U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> Thank you for uh, believing in my in my abilities. All right, going back to the younger side and going back to the East Coast is Moses Nyman, an 18-year-old for D.C. United, a player that, along with Griffin Yao, is going to be a player that a lot of people and fans of D.C. United are going to be watching this season. Nyman, however, is a bit closer to the U.S. Men's National Team, was actually called in to practice and train with the team. um, I forget if it was during their World Cup qualifying camp or if it was during the uh, December camp. It was the December December camp. Okay. So maybe not fringe, maybe he's fringe plus right now, but a player that really reminds, I mean, it's a cop out, right? To say that he's the next American Conte, but at five, five, and again, just a, an incredibly ambitious defender of the ball and still someone that has a lot of technical ability to play as an eight and in the center midfield position. I'm excited about Moses Nyman and I'm sad as a New York Red Bull fan that they have such a player to watch this season. So other than Kevin Prades, now that he's sold to Wolfsburg, I think Nyman is kind of the next up for DC United. You want to you go some? Or... No, I, I don't have much on him. Uh, I, so just like you said, Jake, he, he has the technical ability. His small, I mean, he... he I guess he can learn how to play in the middle, but I just feel like long-term and his prospects of maybe playing in a better league with with midfielders that are going to be way bigger than him, is he going to actually be able to thrive? I, I don't know. But That's I think, interesting, though. Like I, I think, he'll, I think he'll be able to thrive, though, in, in MLS. Yeah. Now, going forward, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. But go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's just like we talk about MLS as a really physical and athletic league. So it's, but I understand what you're saying. Like if you add on top of that, another technical layer and you're still five, five, you know, 130 pounds or 120 pounds, you're probably not going to win a ton of 50, 50 balls and be a rock solid defender in the middle of the field, which is fair. Like that's just his physical capacity. But if that's the case, does he move out? further to the wing, maybe become a a dangerous attacker. I just feel like he's been developed as more of a defensive midfielder. I just think that he's, he's just, I just, yeah, I just can't really see him being in in, in box to box without any type of physicality. Like I just, I can't see him 
we've seen other players do it before, though. I mean, we've had the same complaints about Richie Ledesma. We've had the same complaints about Alex Mendez. These are players who have Luca sort of found ways. To, yeah, Luca De La Torre. They're players who found ways to overcome this. It's just a matter of getting them in the right situation to sort of develop those skills and overcome it. I, there are places where he could do that. I don't know if he'll ever get there or not, but I don't think we should count him out just because of his physical size. And there's always a chance to bulk up a little bit, even if he's not going to grow. Also, he's 18. Absolutely. He could still grow. <laughs> he could still grow. Absolutely. All right. Someone that is uh, much closer to the U.S. national team and is much taller than Moses Nyman is Moses <laughs> Ferreira. The first player that has been become a designated player for the team that they signed a homegrown deal for at FC Dallas, a 21-year-old now uh, is going to be the striker for this team. We talked about Paxton Pomacall moving back to the middle to take the 10 roll. He's going to be feeding Ferreira those balls, and that's going to be an exciting duo to watch for USMNT fans watching FC Dallas this season. Guys, is is Jesus Ferreira DP level in the MLS, and what are you expecting from him this season? Big things. I really do. I'm. This might be biased because I really enjoyed watching him play this last window, but I think that he's got a really unique skill set. He's so smooth on the ball. He gets into dangerous positions. He has a potential to really break out for an FC Dallas team that has reloaded and is stacked in attack. So you, you never know. I don't think he's going to Europe anytime in the next few years, given the size of this deal. But Dallas has said that he's the guy. He's Pepe's heir apparent. They've got the talent around him to create chances for him. And yeah, we'll see what he does with it. He's not really known as a true nine, but pushing him a little bit farther forward, getting him a chance to develop those skills. There's a, there are big things in his future, I think. It's funny that to me that we talk about him as Ricardo Pepe's heir apparent. He had 16 goals in 27 appearances <laughs> last year. Like he wasn't some other person coming <laughs> off the bench to sub on or spell Ricardo Pepe. He was right there with Ricardo Pepe scoring goals and assisting those those goals. So as much as we can, uh, you know, be happy that Ricardo Pepe was scoring as much as he was and bringing into the national team. I think we also need to thank Jesus Ferreira for the assists that he was providing and for the spacing that he was making on his runs. All right, another player that we have seen with the national team recently, not necessarily get starts, but be called into World Cup qualifying, Gabriel Slanina. Again, someone that is going to have a great nickname, Gaga, coming into the team. Always love a good nickname for any of our U.S. men's national team players. Okay, so... When um, when we lost David Ochoa to the Mexican national team and he committed, we were kind of lost thinking, who is that third goalkeeper going to be? We don't necessarily have any young USMNT prospects. Lo and behold, the 17-year-old from Chicago take on and win the starting job in MLS, played 11 matches. I believe he gave up 16 goals and had four clean sheets last year for Chicago. I'm going to throw it back to Manny, the Chicago man. What did you see from Gaga Slanina? And, and is he part of the reason why you're excited this season? Well, I'll be honest with you. I've been, I didn't really watch much of any Chicago Fire matches last season. But from what I have seen on the internet and from the you know the different various games that he's played on the internet, I definitely, definitely one for the future and definitely one 
one to be excited about. Um, it's not an easy feat in, to play in any soccer division, let alone MLS, as a goalkeeper at 16. Yeah. Um, and so for you to be actually starting and starting matches and actually getting clean sheets, that's not easy. So I, I definitely think that he, he, you know, he's on an upward, tra- you know, trajectory and you like he can only go up from there so um i think he's one that you know i think he's definitely one that we'll have to keep a, a close eye on i know that the poland fa football association is keeping a close eye on him as as they're probably learning from us of, of you know just keeping you know keeping an eye out on any type of you know nationals wherever they are in the world but I do think Slonina will be here. Um, I, I just think that he will be here bearing any other situation. And uh, I'm excited to see what he does in MLS. Uh, Chicago also has another uh, another goal, goal, goalkeeper prospect. Um, and Chris, uh, Chris, yeah, Brady. Chris, Brady, Chris Brady. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him as well. Um, I know Selena is probably not going to be with the fire, you know, past maybe the next couple years. But Chris Brady is also a, a t- another talented goalkeeper in their system that could potentially be their their rock solid option for for years to come. So Brady was almost rated as a higher prospect by some scouts from what I've seen than Slanina was. So they fire got two really good goalkeeper prospects. Obviously Slanina's right now the one drawing all the attention. He had a great year last year. I expect him to be one of the better goalkeepers in the MLS this year, but watch out for the fire. Their goalkeepers could be. He saw it. Yeah. He was their youngest homegrown signing. I think. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. He, I think he signed today either 13 or 14, but yeah, he's. Yeah. I he's... mean, Slanina kind of came out of nowhere, but to be that young and to win the starting position for an MLS level team, and then you saw some of the rumors over the winter that, you know, Italian clubs were lining up $10 million transfers for a 17-year-old goalkeeper. I mean, if he has another year where he's developing and getting experience and being kind of in the top 50% of MLS goalkeepers, I could easily see him gone in the summer or winter and then Chris Brady step into that position to do the same exact thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When goalies are going 80, 90 million, and you think that you can get a, a potential goalie that'll, you know, that uh, that can for you know that can be the, the the rock between the sticks for the next however many years. I would pay ten million dollars too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a good investment. Yeah. All right. Last three players on our list. Number three is going to come in at Georgi Mihailovic, a player that again has made a lot of. Uh, Noise last year, he had 14 assists. So he was the American that was leading the way in assists, had four goals, and was carrying an average rating above 7.5. I'm being generous. His average rating was 7.51. Um, but still just 23, a player that, you know, talked about Chicago, then moved to Montreal, has continued to produce at an extraordinary level. I mean, if we weren't talking about Louis Skeel at the New England Revolution, Mihailovic was in the conversation for MVPs last season. Is he, how close is he to the U.S. national team? And what does he have to do this season with Montreal to get a look? I, 
I struggle with him because at some level he should have already been given an opportunity, given a call up, called up. He's played for Burhalter before. I think he's got one or two matches on the left wing on Burhalter's system. But he doesn't really naturally fit on the left wing. He doesn't really naturally fit as an eight. He sort of has this sort of interesting role with Montreal where he sort of plays in the sort of half... He's a half-space merchant where he plays on the turn. He tries to play one really dangerous slip-in pass into the inside from just on the edge of the box. So we don't really have a natural fit for him in the national team. I think that's what sort of stopped him from getting called in right now. But if he continues to produce like this, you can't argue against him forever, right? <laughs> if, if you're Greg, you might. You might be able yeah. to. Yeah. He's, he's just a very interesting player because he does one thing really well. But I'm not sure that he's got the toolkit to be a really, truly great national team player, at least right now. I'd like to see him. I, I'd like him as the guy. He's the guy creating chances at Montreal. But I'd like to see him go to try test himself in Europe and try and see what he can do. Because I think that there's still some expansion of his toolkit that's needed to be a true national team player. But that's nothing, not to say that he's not going to have an amazing season in MLS this year. He's one of the four American DPs in MLS right now. It's that's a fantastic accomplishment, especially at only 23 years old. So we'll see. So this is what I will say. And I, I know, I know we give Greg a lot of flack and I, deservedly, but this is one situation where I, I, I could kind of give him a pass on. So we have, we have like the players that have kind of like, either they're like a one-trick pony or they're kind of play similar. You can only play one of those players at the same time. So it's just like, in, in, in the case of Mihaljevic, where do you where do you place him? And like, like you make an argument for him to be, you know, to be included in. But then you think about the, 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 the similar players around him. Is he better than those players? Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at left wingers, do you have him fighting with Christian Pulisic and Conrad De La Fuente and Brandon Aronson. His skill set really doesn't match any of those guys. He's a very different player from any of them. If he's an eight, he's not really a player in the style of Yunus Musa, Luka de Della Torre. He really doesn't have a Weston McKenney style skill set. Like where, I mean, what's his analog I mean, in the national team? <laughs> I mean, even if you put him at his natural position, we still have players ahead of him in his natural <laughs> position. So it's like, we're, I mean, we're, I'll just say this though. When if we're talking about someone like Jesus Ferreira, that is someone who I would consider as a specialist number nine for the national team. He's someone that drops in, is a bit more technical, can make the final pass, and we don't have a nine like that. Pepe doesn't do that. P. Fox, Sergeant, none of them do that. If we're talking about Jordi Mihaljevic, we don't necessarily have a midfield player that can stick a ball in stride on a strong foot, like as good as Christian Pulisic can be as good as Brendan Aronson can be. They don't do that consistently to the point of Georgi Mihaljevic. You don't think Gio can do that? Gio can do hey. that for sure. He He's the and, one and, player and, I would say. And, yeah. and granted, Gio hasn't been healthy for the last however month. And, you know, now he's back injured, but I get what you're saying, but like 14 assists doesn't come by accident. Yeah. So, Jake, are you saying that you see Mihailovic maybe as someone who's a, sort of a bunker ball specialty where he can break a bunker, unlock a low block? I mean, he's one of them. Of where, 
is that his role though? Is like a Concacaf team that's going to sit back and play defensively, just park him outside the box and feed him and let him see if he can create something. Like if we if we were going to play that way, I would almost love to play like a four triple two and have two tens out there. I would love to have Caden Clark and Jordi Mihaljevic like at the two ten spots, but that's never happening. So it's it's more of a cop out on my part to be like. I'm I'm arguing for something that's never going to happen. I do just think like if we're considering someone like Jesus Ferrer or other players in different positions that can kind of be that specialist, then I think Mihailovic does need more consideration as someone that is is the best killer passer in, in the pool. Jake, can I make a request? You know, of you ask your patrons, your your Patreon supporters, and your patrons. Uh, you know, what content they would like to see. I'm not a patron. I'm a part of it. <laughs> but I would ask, like, can there be a sort of separate video about Jordi Mihailovic? Because there's like, a, there's a lot of mixed opinions about this player. Um, obviously, to the MLS crowd that actually watches MLS and watches him play, they feel, though, they feel as though that he can, you know, contribute to his national team. People like me that have not really watched him in a while, um, we don't know. We don't know. And we feel like there's better players in front of him. So maybe that that, that can be one of those things where you can kind of break down because you say that he's, he's able to play certain balls and he's 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 able to you know, do certain things that I personally, when I have watched them in the past, did not, was not able to see. Yeah. So right, I will personally break down. <laughs> we'll be Jordi Mihaljevic. Yeah. I guess like my, my argument boils down to if we're, if we're happy and I personally am, if I'm happy that Walker Zimmerman and Jesus Ferreira and Kellen Acosta are making the national team and giving value to the national team, and we can't find a spot for someone that had 18 goal contributions in the same league last year yeah. or not even give him a look. Like that, yeah. that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's better than Pulisic. I'm not saying he's better than Reyna. I'm just saying like, let's look at everything equally. And if we're happy to see well, here's Zimmerman, the thing, Acosta. But here's the thing though, Jake, like you, you, you compare Walker Zimmerman where like, I feel like, Center back is one of the least positions where I feel like you can get away with being less technical. We we have players on that on a on a on that you know on attacking end that are technical. And so like I feel like I'm not saying that Jordan Mahalovic is not, not technical. But what I'm saying is they're playing at a higher level and they're doing these technical things at a, a consistent higher level than he is right now. So how can you justify yeah. playing him in front of those guys when they're doing it week in, week out? At a higher competition, that yeah. that's my argument. That's fair. It's, it's, totally, it's fair. a very interesting <laughs> player, and yeah, it's probably the most controversial name in the national team pool right now is Georgi Mihailovic, because both of you guys have excellent points here. Where Mihailovic is doing excellent in MLS, but the position he plays leaves so many questions about him. So there's got to be an answer somewhere. I don't know if Burhalter's the guy to figure it out, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would like to see him get a look. 
I wasn't coming into this video ready to die on the hill for Georgie Mihaljevic, but it seems to have happened. I don't um, think it's a manager. I don't think it's a manager question. I just think that even with a different manager, he still have a up uphill battle to face. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's playing oh, in yeah. a stacked position for the national oh, yeah. team. Like that has to be said. All right, so let's talk about that center back then. Someone that we're all happy to see develop into the player that he is today, Miles Robinson for Atlanta United. Didn't get a move over the winter. Going to stay at Atlanta, maybe um, be a mentor to George Campbell, another young American to watch on Atlanta's back line. Tom, as the Atlanta United fan in this group, talk to us about Miles Robinson. Fantastic defender. Another one of those MLS best 11 candidates. He's been in the running for MLS defender of the year, two years in a row. He's just a rock. You see him in MLS all the time, take attackers who are way more valuable than him and just make them look silly. And that's just such a very rare skill in MLS among defenders that he's got a place to really show out this season. I, I just love watching him play. The Atlanta back line is going to be very decimated. They got rid of, uh, Franco Escobar, who scored the winning goal in their uh, MLS Cup run. He, they got rid of Anton Walks. They only really have three center backs, and Alan Franco is a little bit more of a reckless charging forward center back than a stay-home rock-solid center back. So we're going to see him have a lot of defensive responsibilities and have a chance to really show what he can do. I, I you know, There's not a whole lot to say beyond that. He's, he's a fantastic player who I hope this season gets him abroad. My one sort of note about him, though, is that Santiago Sosa, who I consider to be the best defensive midfielder in MLS, will be back this season and playing above him. So he should have a little bit more cover than he had last season. Nice. Make him look good. Manny, anything to add on Miles? Um, what I would like to see with Miles Robinson is for him to kind of take like uh, a more vocal leadership role. Um, as I haven't really watched him much with Atlanta, but in, in his time with the national team, it seems like he only really works with one center back pairing. Um, because he, if 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 he does if he's not if he's not partnered with Walker Zimmerman, there's like some type of communicational issues and and blunders and errors that that happens. And so I think Walker Zimmerman, I think, is a natural. Like he's been doing, like he's been he's been in MLS for for a little while here, longer than Miles, and like I think he really understands about patrolling that back line and, and, and captaining that back line. So what I want Miles to do is to be able to patrol the captain that back line, take more of a leadership role, take more of a vocal, you know, vocal, um, you know, a vocal leader, and saying like, hey, I need you know, when this guy goes here, I need you to go here. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push, try to push forward, but you know, I need him to be more vocal because that's going to keep him more engaged as we've seen, like in some of his errors and some of his blunders, it's more so that he, I wouldn't even say it's more so experience because he's going to get that with, with time. Well, I will say it. it partly, partly it is experience, but I think too, is that some of it is just like, he's, I, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that he's fully into the game. And so when a blunder happens, it's because he probably fell asleep for a second. Mm. You saw that in Canada. Yeah. More so I mean, in Canada, like on, on that, on that goal, like he, I think that was just a dumb decision by him. 
but you're right. I mean, the, the Robinson Richards pairing as much as we would want to see that work. It, it hasn't necessarily done so for us. Yeah. It's always Zimmerman and X. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we have made it to the end. The second Paxton on this list, but the first in our hearts and on this list is Paxton Aronson, <laughs> the 18-year-old for Philadelphia Union. I think he's going to be one of the first on a lot of people's playing lists, someone that is going to garner a lot of attention. No matter who you're a fan of in MLS, if the Philadelphia Union are on TV, you're probably going to be tuning into them to watch this uh, this young U.S. group. What is it about Paxton Aronson that everyone's excited about the technical ability that 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 devil that well he's not little but he's got a little (laughs) uh, well but you know the technical ability he i I think at at the same age as his brother i feel like he's a lot better technical technical wise than his brother at the same age and it's no wonder why salzburg is also trying to get (laughs) him as well because they know that you know his brother is, is, is going to be moving on soon, but guy a guy is very talented, and he's probably yeah he would probably be number one on my list. Like I I, I like him a lot. He can dribble. He he he's his his football IQ is is up there, and you know it's it's just only up for there. So and he runs just like Brendan. Yeah, it's it's worth noting that he is considered a better prospect than Brendan Aronson, which is saying something given what we've seen out of Brendan Aronson. I He's going to be in an uphill fight for minutes, given what we said about the Philadelphia midfield. They are stacked in the midfield, especially with young talent. He didn't feature in their last two playoff games really at all. So I want to see him sort of take on more of a starting role, more of a consistent role in that midfield. But he's just got so much ability that, I, sky's the limit for him. Yeah. I'm trying to temper myself because of how explosive Brendan Aronson's growth has been at Salzburg. Like, I don't think anyone expected Brendan Aronson to be as good as he is right now. So I, I think it's easy to say that Paxton Aronson is better than what his brother was at, at the same point, because Brendan was a good prospect, but I don't think he was you know, going to be a national team player anytime soon for a lot of us, but look at what he's done now. And, you know, that's to the benefit of the team and to all of us as fans, but I mean, Paxton Aronson, I mean, I mean, I mean, Brendan yeah. was getting snubbed by and snubbed in, in, in youth national teams. Like he wasn't, he was getting cut from some of those, those national teams. So I think it was, you know, I, I, I yeah, I think that it was, it was fair that like, we didn't really think much because like he wasn't consistently making youth national teams. Uh, I mean, I, to the, to the Philadelphia fans, they probably, you know, knew, but to the you know majority of us, the, the casual, I'm not a casual NYT fan, but the casual <laughs> national team fan, you know, they probably was like, well, you know, who knows, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we have made it through the gauntlet, the marathon. That was top 20 American talents in the U.S. We've gone too far already, an hour and 10 minutes. Thank you if you're still listening to us. Um, last word, guys, what do you have to say to the people? Manny, what's up? What do you have to say? What I need, what I want to say? Yeah, what mm-hmm. do you want to say? Platform goals. Is yours. goals and more goals. Galazos.
Tor. Whatever. Following up. Um, if you want to keep checking in on MLS, there's like a hundred names on my list here of players that I really am excited about in the league this year. I probably could have gone 200 deep, but I sort of limited myself in preparing for this. I might have a problem, but if you... I got a question, Tom. Where do you have all the time to watch every MLS game, every Bundesliga game, every league on game, every Serie A game, every La Liga match, every... Uh, To be in college again. I do not have that time. The trick is you catch highlights of all of it and follow it all with a very crazy long fop mob list to keep up with what you can't watch live. So last night I did, I prepared this. I wrote this entire thing out at 1.45 in the morning after four hours of writing my thesis. So you're right, Jake, to be young again. Cause I yeah. definitely <laughs> so. maybe Tom, we can, we can put that in the discord if we type it all up. We yeah, meaning I've type, you. I've got it all typed up already. I sent it to you guys in the pod channel, cool. so maybe I'll send see, it all out to, see, I'm to lazy. Discord. I see, I'm lazy. I would have just took a picture of it right here. <laughs> nah, yeah, so I, guys, if you're still watching this and you want to see the full list, make sure to join the FIFA America Discord and the U.S. Soccer Discord as well. Let's Let's make sure we give Manny some love, get into the U.S. Soccer Discord. It is the largest U.S. Soccer Discord that there is. I think I can say that, right? Yeah, we're definitely nice the largest. Okay. Manny doesn't want any more attention. <laughs> <laughs> My I, was, I, was, I was wondering where you were going with that. I'm like, what do you, what do you, Showing some love. Can I show you some love, Manny? You're going to, you're going to put the, uh, the link in. It'll, it'll be down, down in the description. Okay. Or right? you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is, this is down. This is down. Well, you know the camera. You know it's, it's inverted, so like you you go this way, you go this way. I'm like, it's only for left and right. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Turn, turn this off. Come on. Yeah, my last story. Just thank you for listening to us drone on for an hour and fifteen minutes. We appreciate everyone that is listening, and we'll see you next week after MLS starts and we have some more players in Europe. Some good news to end off with is it looks like Gio Reyna's injury is not as serious as it first looked, and he should be back back in practice in two weeks. We'll see. All right. See you, everyone.